before I delve into today's podcast or the continuation of my cancer journey, I'm just going to do a little bit of a segue. I had talked previously about everywhere I looked, cancer seemed to be bombarding me on everything from social media, Facebook, everything like that. And my husband, one of my biggest champions, called me from work and he tells me, I'm listening to your podcast right now. And it just hit me that whenever you are on social media, you keep talking about having all this cancer ads and cancer things just coming at you. And he says, what if it's because of your search engines? You know, when you uh, type in things that you're interested in, all of a sudden, all the advertisements seem to be what you've been looking up. And I thought about this and it made a whole lot of sense. So Big Brother, Google, whatever you want to call them, anytime I try to look up cancer or do anything cancer related, it now has this algorithm about me and cancer. And the more I thought about this, the more frustrated I was because it seems now that my whole life is a cancer algorithm. And I remember sitting in the surgeon's office and there's this big poster on the wall. I think it's like a picture of a sunset or cliffs or something. Didn't really look at the background picture, but the whole message was, you are not cancer. I am more than that. And that really resonated with me because I kept thinking, you're right. I am not cancer. My whole life is not cancer. I am much more than cancer. But then I have this dichotomy of my life outside of social media is not cancer. I'm fighting to not be cancer and have that define me. And yet, as soon as I engage in any technology, there's this algorithm out there that says, I am cancer. Everything about me is cancer. The things I like to look up are cancer. The stories I engage with are cancer. So I'm having a really hard time trying to deal with that, I guess. But it makes sense. So this is why I'm being bombarded with cancer, because it just happens to be that's my searches, what I'm looking up, and things like that. So is there a way to kind of get away from that? There is. There's a gentleman my husband was telling about, and he was on YouTube, and he decided for three months straight, he was going to just, all of his searches would be about dog videos, happy dog videos. And after three months of constantly putting that into his search engine, he'd start getting videos about happy dogs and it would just change the view, I guess, and kind of happier. So to change this whole cancer thing, that means for three months, I have to put in searches of high-fiving kitties, home improvements, or anything like that. And hopefully, eventually, that'll change what I'm seeing when I'm on social media. I'm also, honest disclosure, a bit lazy. So I am the person right now who has over 3,000 emails in her inbox just because to go through every day and sort through what is somewhat important, what is important, is this something I should be saving for later, is a lot of work. So again, to every time going online and making sure that my searches are of more value and interest and not just cancer, seems like a lot of work but I'm trying to. So every time I go on social media, if for whatever reason I'm looking up cancer, because you can't help it, and things related to cancer, I always try to put another search engine search in. So another window pops up and I try to put something else. So uh, right now we're kind of in this point in time, coming up to Christmas or if it was Halloween, I'd put in, you know, decorating for Halloween, 
Christmas ideas and things like that. So hopefully soon I'll have more positive things being popping up on my feed. So that's the hope. We'll see. It might take three to six months to do this, but here is the hope. So that was kind of my little segue. So now moving on, this is going to be a very, very hard, difficult podcast for me. I'm going to go back and relive some painful memories. Not that my journey has been easy by any means, but the last time I kind of talked about where I was specifically on my journey is I have this cancerous tumor in me. It's cancer and it needs to come out and I've got a surgery date. So the surgery date is I'm going to go in Friday, July 29th, and there's no guarantee of when I'll have my surgery. My surgeon's on call and it all depends on operating room uh, availability from what I'm told, but I'll go in and then hopefully Monday at the very, very latest, but she's got high hopes. It'll be before that. The only other times I'd been into a hospital was for my colonoscopy, which is very different. And I had an emergency C-section with my son, my oldest one, and a planned C-section with my daughter. So when you go in for those, I, it's very different. Um, especially the planned one. You go in, they tell you the date, they tell you the time. You go in uh, and you come out with a baby. This is different. I'd never been for a day surgery. So I didn't really get the whole idea of like waiting in the hospital. I think maybe in the th back of my mind, I thought I'd go in and if I didn't have surgery that day, I'd get to go home and then we'd plan for the next day. But it's not like that. Once you're in, you're admitted, you're in and you're waiting. So it's um, the day before I'm supposed to go in. So it's the 28th. And my husband and I are thinking, this is going to be, I'll be in the hospital for who knows how long at this point. Um, because depending on when my surgery is, and then after surgery, the recovery time can be anywhere from three to six days, depending on how the surgery went and uh, the reattachment and if I end up with a colostomy bag or not. So it was kind of dependent. So we thought, you know what, we're going to turn off our phones because it'd been nonstop calls anyways, doctors and things like that, and just really spend some time with the family. So we jumped on the trampoline that we got and we just try to focus on our family and we crashed early. The kids crashed with us and we had our phones off. So we didn't know at this time that family was trying to get a hold of us. And it was late at night on the 28th and my uh, mom and stepdad let themselves into the house and they're trying to get a hold of us. So it turns out that my father-in-law, or who we call Papa, was in a very serious accident. So this is my husband's dad and had been flown to Foothills Hospital, which is in the north side of Calgary. And the news right there, the bottom of my world just dropped out. Here I was going into the hospital for my own thing. And now we just got hit with something else. Like kick us while we're down. And it wasn't, Papa was such an integral part of our lives. And I don't even know if I can describe just how important he was to us and how big of a part. Because yes, he was a grandparent, but he was much more than that. So I'll try to see if I can kind of put into words just how important he was to us and mostly my kids. So my heart right now is just feeling for my kids and oh my gosh, I'm going to the hospital. My son, six, already has worries that he keeps bottled up and he can't always put into words. And then this happens. So when I was teaching, 
my babysitter's caregivers were Nan and Papa, so my in-laws. So my kids saw them every day for babysitting, and they did all sorts of things together. They played on the floor, they made up games, they went for bike rides, they did everything together. If you hear Papa, he talks about his grandkids nonstop. They are his best friends, and in return, if you ask who my kid's best friend is, it's Papa. He's a huge kid. If we didn't see him, we talked to him every day. We would FaceTime him in the morning for breakfast. He, we would see Nan and Papa outside of babysitting. They'd make the trip in from Black Diamond to Calgary. We'd go out there. We did camping together. We went out for dinners together. We did all sorts of things together. Anytime we kind of planned a family trip, we always make sure that we invite my in-laws and my parents as well. And at first when camping with all together, I can remember my husband saying, oh my gosh, we're camping with both sets of parents again. Yay. And I kept telling him and I, that right now, these memories are for our kids. I want our kids to have the best memories of their grandparents because there are so many kids and families out there who don't have grandparents close by or even maybe young grandparents that can do so much with them. And we are so lucky. I remember growing up with my grandparents being an important part of my life. And those are the memories that stick with me. And I wanted that for my kids. So I keep telling my husband, these aren't, it's not about us right now. It's about these memories for our kids and creating those memories and that. And so it's, that's kind of what we've kind of lived by. And we're a close knit family. So having this happen to Papa was, it was devastating. Um, so we didn't have a lot of information. We knew it was a single vehicle accident, uh, a rollover in his truck and airlifted to the hospital and he was going to be in an induced coma. So at that point, things aren't looking great. And I remember looking at my husband who is so overwhelmed at this point, being a caregiver for me, not knowing what's going to happen. And then this hits him and he wants to be there for his family too. His mom, I mean, his older brother even, but he's just, he wants to be there for his family. And I just said, I, I don't have to go in for surgery. I can stop this. I, I do not need to go in for surgery. This is much more important. I mean, yes, I have a tumor that needs to be removed, but it's not like putting it off for a week or two. It's going to become this giant mass and that's going to be the end of it. Like, this is important too. And people around me kept saying, no, no, you will not put off your surgery. This, you need this out. You have this, you will go. And I was so angry and I'm torn because I was like, my family needs me too. And right now my family has been there for me. And now this is my turn to pay it back and be there for my family. And it felt like I, I couldn't be. Because I, I got to go into the, the hospital and take care of me. So we made the decision not to tell our kids right away. And because I'm going into the hospital and another family member in the hospital and there's so much uncertainty that we thought this is just too much for a six-year-old and a two-year-old at the time. So the next day comes around. We didn't sleep at all that night. We're putting on these brave faces for my kids. You know, no, we're just tired. Mom was going to the hospital, you know, didn't sleep much last night. And I just felt like I had to do a project. I just I had to keep busy. And we were kind of getting ready. My um, stepmom was going to come out and stay with me after the surgery. But I mean, cleaning up a bathroom, vacuuming, those kind of things just weren't enough. 
I needed to be distracted. So I found myself in our trailer. And camping was such a huge part of us and what we did with Papa. And at the beginning of the summer, we had had a previous leak on our trailer underneath our sink and our uh, floorboards were kind of damp and wet and needed to be replaced. So at the beginning of the summer, before all of this, we made these camping plans. There's a places my son wanted to check out. We wanted to go back, check out as a family, and we never got camping this summer because shit hit the fan. But Pablo worked on our trailer and he replaced all those floorboards. So we'd be ready to go camping. And I just thought, I need to work on the trailer and do something too, because I need to be ready for when we go camping. So I headed to the back bedroom and we had a leak there previously too. And we were pretty sure we got it all. My husband worked hard on it. Same with my father-in-law. And I was looking at this backboard behind the bed and it was ugly. It's outdated. There's water stains on it. And I thought, I can do this. I, I'm just going to take it out and I'll just get a, a panel, uh, like a faux plank panel or brick or something to put up or even a wallpaper. It can't be that hard. So I, I rip off this ugly headboard and it kind of smelt mildewy anyways. And I throw it out and I get behind there. And it's a lot bigger project than I thought. So it turned out that behind one of the cabinets, there was still kind of dry rot and the wood definitely needs to be replaced. So this project is a little bigger than what I could take on in two hours, let alone by myself. But I just, I wanted to do something with the trailer. So then I'm in the bathroom and I was like, I'll, I'll put up a shower curtain. I mean, it's nothing, but at least it's, it's something. And again, I look at it and we need to re-silicone around the tub and it'd be replacing the shower curtain rod. And again, not a project at, that I can take on in like two hours. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking around and I just feel helpless. I want to get this trailer ready and I just want to do something because I have to do something. And in that time, phone rings and it's the surgeon in the hospital and they have a bed ready. So can I come in early? And like, and so instead of coming about four, I'd be coming in about two, something like that. And I thought, yeah, I, I asked my husband, he's like, yeah, let's just get this done and over with. Cause if not, our minds are elsewhere and we're not doing anything. We're puttering, but we're not doing anything. And I thought, okay, the sooner I go in the hospital, the sooner I get out. So yes, let's do this. So I pack my to-go bag and say goodbye to the kids and pack my iPad and I head to the hospital and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get admitted and I'm going to have a couple days of just Netflix binging. No kids. And people with small children realize that having time to yourself is a luxury. So I thought I'm going to have maybe even a couple days, a night of me time. And because um, the only me time I get is after the kids go to bed. But even after the kids go to bed, I mean, you're usually doing last minute cleaning up after them. So it's not really a lot of me time. And my children have always been from day one, uh, they go to bed quite late. And throughout whenever they're little, I've had so much people come to me and advice. Well, it's because you don't have bedtime early enough. My husband and I have started bedtime earlier to make the bedtime like the fall asleep part earlier. And all it makes is for longer bedtimes, longer times getting ready for bed because they still don't fall asleep till a certain time. So my son falls asleep about 9.30 every night. Now that he goes to school, it's about nine o'clock and my daughter falls asleep between 10 and 11. And for whatever reason, I don't know how she's my child because I love sleep. She must be a robot. 
It doesn't matter how much sleep she gets, she is up between 5 and 6.30. If she sleeps in, I can get her to sleep until maybe 7.30 if I'm lucky, and these are very, very rare occasions. So my husband and I usually fall asleep before the kids, and we just hope that she crashes somewhere. And so there's not a lot of me time with young kids and network, you know, Netflix binge watching. So I got my iPad, I'm going to do some network or Netflix network, Netflix binge watching. And just and I brought a book too, just in case. So I bring my big book, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all the other books. So it's a book series I've read in the past, and I've really enjoyed and I thought I can read this over again, and it's big enough and I can start and stop. So it's a great choice. So I'm ready to go. Uh, I get in and it's intake. And intake is a million and one questions about your whole life up to it. Allergies, how did your symptoms start, everything. And they decide, because they don't know when the surgery is, that they're not going to um, uh, give me an IV right away because I don't know when the surgery is. So I get in and, you know, my husband drops me out, but he's got to go back to be with the kids. And he also wants to go to the hospital to see his dad, which, so I'm in South Calgary, which is on the complete opposite end where his dad is. And I'm, we're trying to get information about his dad, but we still don't know a lot. So at this point, we knew that, I guess, I don't even know the percentage, but he burns to the left-hand side of his body. So not good. And he's in an induced coma. So again, not good. Um, my father-in-law, so Papa is very left-hand dominant too. So he writes left, he plays golf left, he tinkers left. Everything is left-hand side and that's where the burns are and so we don't know if there's brain damage uh, or any or sorry not brain damage sorry nerve damage we don't know if there's nerve nerve damage we know there's no brain damage there's no swelling on his brain and he hasn't broken a single bone in his body so at this point I a hundred percent with every fiber in my being think he is going to pull through he is the strongest person I've met I mean he's the one who did the colonoscopy with no drugs and he is gone through so much and he just keeps going and going and I wanted him I think to make it so bad because if he went to the hospital with this and he doesn't make it someone who's so strong and vibrant what does that say about me because deep down I don't think I'm as strong as him so there was that too so at this point he's got lots of things going against him but without with no broken bones and no swelling on the brain, he was going to make it. And I honestly, truly 100% believe that. So I get signed up and I get my iPad already and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be nice. And the nurse comes in and she's like, well, you could be doing surgery first thing tomorrow morning, so we need to clean you out. So she sets down this big jug of colite again because I got to do another colon cleanse my best friend. And I look at this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I remember the last time quite vividly how this works. Well, don't worry, we put you in a room with the bathroom right across the hall from you. So this is going to be, it'll be okay. And but I should start right away. So she brings me a glass and pours it over ice. So a glass of ice and she pours it over and she's like, it's much easier to take one over ice. And she was right. It's not easy to take anyways, but over ice, it's it's right. So my husband stays for a bit. And I remember we're, we're looking at each other. And there's this whole adage, this old saying that 
bad things happen in threes. And we look at each other and he's like, so is this the third thing? Because we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, we feel numb. Like what? He's like, I don't know if I can handle anything else. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I, I don't know how much I can handle either. So we're looking and we're like, the cancer diagnosis has got to be a bad thing. So, and then Papa's accent. So it's two really bad things. So what's the third? Like it's, please say it's already happened. So we're going back through things like, was it all the negative diagnosis up to cancer? Well, no, because then there, there's a lot. And so cancer's got to be the big thing. And we're desperately looking for a third thing. And we're looking back because we want this to be the third thing. And that's it. We, we just want it to be done. And um, at the beginning, I had mentioned before that I was planning on going part-time this year teaching. And we had made it so it worked out perfectly. My husband worked shift work starting in the fall. And the way we had it planned was that um, with my part-time and his shift work in the fall, we could didn't really need a babysitter. We could use some help. This might give my in-laws a break. My son was also going to be starting school in Calgary. So the drive-in from Black Diamond every day is, or out to Black Diamond is quite difficult. And we could probably do it with only a minimal amount of help, like bus to and from the bus. And if I had to stay late for parent-teacher interviews and things like that. So we're quite excited that we're going to make this work. And at the beginning of the summer, his uh, company decides they're not going to do shift work anymore at all. So there is no shift work and he would have to go um, like his summer shift, which is just Monday to Friday, but now it's all year. And we looked at each other at the time and we're just like, okay, this is not ideal. This sucks because this changes everything. And daycare and day homes and all that during COVID are not easy to find. There are still waiting lists. Our community and your community has waiting lists. It also means that we could be going into another school COVID year where they had anticipated more um, uh, shutdowns and quarantines and schooling from home and things like that because we're waiting for this fifth wave to happen. So we don't know. And because of that, daycares, day homes didn't open up at full capacity yet because why would you open up at full capacity only to have to shut down? So everything's very uncertain. But we thought, you know what, this is just a lot to deal with right now. We'll deal with it come near the end of the summer. Um, also losing the shift meant that 21% of our pay that we count on during the winter, we wouldn't have because that's where the shift differential came in and we wouldn't have that. So I'm going part-time, so that's part-time money. So we'd already had our budget all planned out and now he's losing this money. So not ideal. So we look back and we're like, that's got to be the third thing, right? Like that is threw a huge wrench into our plans. Not positive at all. That's got to be the third thing. So we hung on to those are the three bad things. So we thought from here onward and upward, right? Like it, it, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but we've got our three bad things. Bad things happen in threes. And you know what? I'm sure if you really look down at things, you can have bad things happen in fives, tens, any number. But because we've heard this saying so many times, this is what we're latching on to. And for us, it was a way to just say, it's got to be better from here on out. Like nothing, nothing more can happen that is that bad. Right? We've had it. Now let's look at the good things. So if bad things happen in threes, do good things happen in threes too then. Like really good things. Right? So again, we're looking and 
I didn't, my CAT scan came clear, so I didn't have stage four. So that, that was a positive thing. Um, being able to have the support we did with family, like we lucked out. There are people who go through this alone, people whose families aren't close by or elderly or, or not able to help. So that's got to be a positive thing. And we're looking around and I don't, is there another positive we thought? And we thought, well, maybe we're waiting for the other positive. So this surgery, so my husband believed, he's like, this surgery is going to turn out well, because there's going to be that third positive thing. So that's kind of we hoped on. This is the third positive that we need. Or Papa's going to pull through, right? Our three positives. And who knows, maybe we're looking in the wrong place for our positives and our negatives. But that's kind of where our minds were at the time. So at this point, we were onward and upward, um, dealing now with a tragedy in the family, a, a, an accident, a serious one, and trying to lock our heads around that and also me going in for surgery. 